God will deliver us if we follow him with faith. Very, very important as we look at Galatians chapter one today. Good morning, good afternoon, good evening. My name is Rod Hembry. I'm Jen. And this is Bible Discovery TV. Thank you for joining us. Good to have you here. As we look at the world's best-selling book, the Bible, we're looking at Galatians today, and Paul wrote it. We'll study Galatians chapter one in three minutes, so stay there. Corey and Ryan are here. Corey? I am taking a look at the book of Galatians itself and some surprising theories that go along with it. Ryan? In Galatians, Paul describes the Mosaic Law as a jail guard and a schoolmaster. So we're going to delve into that a little bit. Wow, schoolmaster. That's incredible. Okay, Janice. Today, our foundation. It's a great song. We're going to talk about that and more. So get your Bible guide out. They're coming up in 15 minutes or 12 minutes. They're com she's coming up in 15. Let's open the Bible guide and open the Bible and look at what God has told us today. Galatians 1, 1 through 11. Paul, an apostle, not from men, nor through man, but through Jesus Christ and God the Father who raised him from the dead, and all the brethren who are with me, to the churches of Galatia, grace to you and peace from God the Father and our Lord Jesus Christ, who gave himself for our sins that he might deliver us from this present evil age, according to the will of our God and Father, to whom be glory forever and ever. Amen. I marvel that you are turning away so soon from him who called you in the grace of Christ to a different gospel, which is not another. But there are some who trouble you and want to pervert the gospel of Christ. But even if we, or an angel from heaven, preach any other gospel to you than what we have preached to you, let him be accursed. As we have said before, so now I say again, if anyone preaches any other gospel to you than what you have received, let him be accursed. For do I now persuade men or God? Or do I seek to please men? For if I still pleased men, I would not be a bondservant of Christ. But I make known to you, brethren, that the gospel which was preached by me is not according to man. Galatians chapter 1, verses 1 through 11. We are in the province of Galatia, as we read today, Galatians chapter 1 and 2. Now, the Roman Empire was expanding in the first century BC, taking over the province of Galatia in 64 BC as a foothold into the area. When the last king of Galatia died in 25 BC, the Romans further inherited the collection of cities, which together were called Galatia. Now, Paul visited the province of Galatia during his first missionary journey in AD 46 to 48. The letter later that Paul wrote to the Galatians was the greatest inspiration for Martin Luther in the reformation of the church during the 1500s. 
In fact, history tells us that Martin Luther referred to the Galatians as my epistle, my teaching letter. Paul had originally written Galatians to the believers of that area, and that out of concern, they were beginning to reject the gospel by adding laws and adding regulations to the gospel. Now, this was typified by the practice of circumcision. Now, some people had taught the Galatians that they didn't just need Christ, they also needed to follow the Mosaic law. And this is a book in which we see Paul become very animated about the gospel, and in fact, the freedom of the gospel. Very interesting time as we look at this book, because what does that mean? Everybody's sort of involved in their version of what God wants from us. Well, God wants this and God wants that. But hold, hold on a minute. Hold on. What does God really want? He wants our hearts. He doesn't want this or that. He wants our hearts. That's the central idea. And today we take our Bible guides. We're going to look at the example of God. Now, your Bible guides are available to you. If they're not, why not? You need to get on the Bible guide list so that you will get all of the new Bible guides, which is happening next year. I'm extremely excited about this. And so make sure that you are already signed up to receive those Bible guides. Let's pray. Father, in the name of Jesus Christ, by the power of your Holy Spirit, we don't want to listen to our thoughts. We don't want to listen to our own ideas. We want to hear you. And we want to hear what you're speaking to us today. Help us to do that, Lord. Thank you, Father, in Jesus' name. And we said together, make it so, it is made so. Amen. Okay, Galatians chapter 1. Verse 1, here's how it spells out everything we're talking about. Paul, an apostle, not from men, nor through man, but through Jesus Christ and God the Father who raised him from the dead. Right there it is. That's clearly what God did. He raised Jesus from the dead. And all the believers, verse 2, all the brethren who are with me, to the churches of Galatia, grace to you and peace from God the Father and our Lord Jesus Christ, who gave himself for our sins, that he might deliver us from this present evil age, according to the will of our God and Father, to whom be glory forever and ever. Amen. I can't think of a better way to describe Christianity, can you? God will deliver us if we follow in faith what he said. In today's church, we need to follow the Bible. That's what he said, and recognize its authority. We need to follow the Bible and recognize its authority. Now, this is really important. If you don't read the Bible every day, my question is, why not? You should. Some people say, well, I can't read a lot of verses. Then don't. Read a few verses every day. But you need to keep the Bible in part of your life and watch it grow in you. So that's really, really important. Galatians chapter 1, verse 6 continues. I marvel that you are turning away so soon from him who called you in the grace of Christ to a different gospel, which is not another, but there are some who trouble you and want to pervert the gospel of Christ. But even if we or an angel from heaven preach any 
other gospel to you than what we have preached to you. Let him be accursed. That's a very interesting word, accursed in English. In Greek, it means cast into hell. Verse nine, as we have said before, so now I say again, if anyone preaches any other gospel to you than what you have received, let him be cast into darkness. You know, it's very interesting. Paul declares that anyone who preaches another gospel than faith in Christ is hellbound. Now let's keep close to the good news of Jesus Christ. And don't stray from it, beloved. There, I mean, I've, I've talked to people and they've changed their mind. They got saved and it's exciting to get saved. And then what happens is they said, yeah, well, I heard this person tell me this and that. And I took it and they're doing all kinds of things. And I say, well, what in the world are you doing? Gee, what did Jesus tell you? Well, I don't know. But this guy said, I said, not, not what that guy said. What does the Bible tell you? You need to get back to the word of God. What does he tell you? Very important. All right, let's go on to the next passage of scripture. Galatians 1, 10 to 11. For do I now persuade men or God? Or do I seek to please men? For if I still pleased men, I would not be a bond servant of Christ. But I make known to you, brethren, that the gospel which was preached by me is not according to man. Now that brings me to this third point. Pay attention. Pleasing God must be our first priority. What is priority? It's what's important to you. Pleasing God must be our first priority. We must strive to please God first in our lives before pleasing people. I remember when I was young, and I was in a youth group and we went through all of this and they taught us in the book of Romans and all that. And we determined that what we were taught was God first, family second, and then what, what work and whatever else we do third. That was absolutely, totally critical. And today we see a lot of difference. What you do comes first or your family comes first. Where's God? We need to put the Lord Jesus Christ because the, as Jesus Christ said, we need to love the Lord our God with all our heart, soul, and strength. And then we need to love our neighbor as ourselves. Now that's, the commandments are all about that. And if we focus our attention on following God and what he said and loving the Lord Jesus Christ, we will do what the Lord said. And Jesus Christ told us that. So beloved, today, may we rethink and reshift our priorities and our so-called goals. Let's get our goals straight. Let's set our goals, not just on what we want, but let's set our goals on what God wants. Pray about your goals. Pray about what you think is important to you and ask the Lord to make him first in your life. Ask the Lord to make your family, your wife and your family or your husband and your family second. Ask him to make everything else third. That becomes very important. So, Father, I pray today in the name of Jesus Christ that we would get ourselves focused back on you and help us, Lord, and forgive us how we have forgotten you. Get ourselves focused back on you in the name of Jesus Christ. Amen. Hi, Rod Hembry. We go through the Bible in one year. It's exciting. It's great. And you can join us by searching Bible Discovery TV on your phone. 
That's right, on your phone, your iPhone, or your Android phone. And when you do so, you'll find the app. You can download the app and watch it anytime you want. Never miss a program right here on Bible Discovery TV. We'll see you there. All right, well, today, as you know, we begin our read-through and our study of the New Testament book of Galatians. And, you know, when we read the opening few verses, we realize that this was originally a letter written by Paul to the church in Galatia. Galatia isn't a city like Corinth, but it was a territory. It was an area. It was a province. And there were various cities within that. So there's actually a divide over where exactly we think this letter was written to. We're going to get into all of that and more right now. The book of Galatians may be the earliest written book of the New Testament. It was written by the Apostle Paul to the Christians in Galatia. There are two different views of just who is meant by Galatians, though. During Paul's lifetime in ministry, the Roman Empire had combined two areas that were once separate into the Roman province of Galatia. So politically and commercially, this area of north and north-central Turkey was known as Galatia. But socially, it's likely that only those in the north would have identified themselves as Galatians culturally. In one view, Paul was using Galatia in the proper Roman way to mean all the Christians in the province whom he had visited. According to the book of Acts, he visited several cities in the southern part of Galatia. In another view, Paul was writing only to the people who would have identified themselves as culturally Galatian, meaning from the northern area of the province. From the book of Galatians itself, we know that Paul had visited the Christians that he was writing to. While the book of Acts does not record a visit to the northern areas of Galatia, it's possible that for time and space, they were just not recorded. The book of Galatians itself might help us with this issue. The premise of the book is that people had arrived in Galatia teaching that the Gentile Christians must observe the laws of Moses to truly follow Christ. In so teaching, they directly opposed what the Galatians had learned from Paul, and these teachers had apparently tried to undermine Paul's authority in the process. This is why at the beginning of Galatians, Paul gives a defense of his ministry and apostleship. He gives his background of being called by Christ himself, and he records two trips to Jerusalem, one near the beginning of his ministry to visit Peter and James, the brother of Jesus, and another one 14 years later with Barnabas and Titus as the result of a revelation. These two trips seem to mesh well with trips mentioned in Acts, a first trip to get his bearings as an apostle, and a second trip prompted by a prophecy of famine given by a Christian named Agabus. Galatians seems to have been written before the Jerusalem Council that would see Paul travel to Jerusalem for a third time and would authoritatively settle the issue of Gentiles and the law. This also makes sense of why Paul tells of Peter's wavering stance on Gentile Christians. At that point, Christianity was still fledgling, and they hadn't yet gathered in Jerusalem to settle the matter. If this reconstruction is accurate, Galatians would be Paul's first known letter and written around 48 or 49 AD. 
The book itself is a straightforward apologetic work. It is a defense of the gospel against these teachers claiming that the church must also follow the law. Paul gives a defense of his ministry, reminds them all of why Christians are free of the law and what the law is for. And finally, Paul gives a discourse on how then Christians should live. So there you go, introduced to a few different concepts related to the New Testament book of Galatians. Always really interesting to think about it being one of the earliest, if not the earliest book of the New Testament being written. So uh, lots of fun stuff when you when you think about the, we know, um, you know, the gospels obviously deal with the earliest Christian material. They deal with uh, the life of Christ, right? But they were written later than a lot of Paul's epistles. So it's, it's interesting to to think about in that way. And that's important to remember because it's in order in the New Testament, yes. but it's not in order in the way it was written. Yeah. And so that's absolutely fascinating. Very good. Thank you, Corey. Mm -hmm. All right, Ryan, go ahead. Okay. So I know that our reading today is Galatians chapters one and two, but I actually want to jump ahead to Galatians chapter four and specifically verses 20, 23 and 24. And here Paul compares the law to a jail guard and he calls the law a schoolmaster. At least that's the translation the King James Version gives. But let's dig into this a little bit more. In Galatians 3.23, Paul appropriately personifies the Mosaic Law as a jail guard, because just as a jailer holds people captive, Paul says that for a time, so too did God's law lock up his people as prisoners. Truly, when we read the Mosaic Law, we can see how every aspect of Jewish life was restricted, restrained, and confined by the law. It essentially did function as a jailer to lock up the Jewish people in a vast system of legal codes and regulations. It actually locked up all people everywhere under sin. But that lockup was meant to be only temporary. It lasted only until faith in Christ was revealed. Jesus came to set the captives free. Paul also personifies the Mosaic Law as a quote-unquote schoolmaster in verse 24. Despite the fancy title though, a schoolmaster was not actually the teacher, at least not in Paul's day. The English term translated as schoolmaster in the King James Bible comes from the Greek word paidagogos, from which the modern English word pedagogue is derived. Although this term has come to primarily refer to a teacher or educator in modern English, this Greek word literally means a trainer of boys or a child attendant, and originally referred to a slave who functioned as a guardian or tutor to their master's freeborn sons. Indeed, in ancient Hellenistic culture, a pedagogue was a trusted, often well-educated slave who was given constant supervision of a boy between the ages of 6 and 16. He was responsible for the disciplined training and the moral development of his charge, going to and from school with him and assisting with his home studies. He was also tasked with protecting the child from any bad outside influences. He was stern and severe in his discipline, and the child often yearned for the day that he would be set free from his care. This too is an apt illustration of the role and function of the law. Like the pedagogue, the law was a temporary guardian meant to escort us to Christ, our good teacher and savior. Contrary to Jewish orthodoxy, the law was always intended to be temporary and never intended to provide righteousness and salvation. In fact, Paul says it can't. Only Jesus Christ can and does so for those who put their faith in him and on him. 
As one scholar rightly concludes, under the constant discipline of the law, the Jewish people should have learned how impossible it was to keep the law. The law constantly beat them down like a stern disciplinarian, pointing out all their shortcomings and failures. The pain of this discipline was designed to teach them that they could only be declared righteous by God through faith. So I know that this was only a brief three-minute introduction to this subject, but hopefully you were able to see how Paul's personification of the law as both a jailer and a pedagogue is a great analogy of the role and function of the law. Like the jailer, the law was only meant to lock up people temporarily until Jesus Christ came. Similarly, the law, just like the pedagogue, was a temporary guardian, guiding those under it to the teacher, Jesus Christ. Like the child under the care of the guardian, those under the guidance of the law were also, in a sense, children. But once those children have matured in Christ, they are no longer under that guardian. The law was never given as a means of salvation. Rather, it was given to show the standard for God's holiness, which we could never attain on our own. That's why the law was meant to lead us to the only one who could attain that perfection, the Son of God, Jesus Christ. Through Him and only Him, can we be righteous before God Almighty? So this is the way that, that Paul, he, he did this, of course, in Romans, when he wrote to the Roman, the, the church at Rome. And it's very interesting because that's how he compares the law versus faith in Christ. Mm -hmm. And that's so right. in a sense, the Romans is the theological statement, but Galatians is playing it out yep. so they can hear it and understand it. Very good, For Ryan. Sure, Thank yeah. you so mm -hmm. much. If you want more information about us, go to BibleDiscoveryTV.com. BibleDiscoveryTV.com. We'd love to talk to you there and have you there. Janice, go ahead. Yes. Today, I want to talk about our foundation. As I was reading Galatians, Paul starts it off. And by verse six, he wants to talk about there's only one gospel. He says, I marvel that you are turning away so soon from him who called you in the grace of Christ to a different gospel, which is not another. There is no other gospel. There was only the gospel of Jesus Christ. And when I was reading it, I felt the emotion of Apostle Paul as he's writing to the Galatians. And all that I could think of was that hymn, the church's one foundation. Do you remember that one? I'm not going to sing it because I don't want to be distracted. I don't want us to be distracted by the music of it. It is this one, though, that it starts out, the church's one foundation is Jesus Christ, her Lord. Remember that one? All right. Well, we're going to read the words because you know what? They are very impactful and they were written back in the 1800s. It's public domain now, but let's take a listen to what words were penned about the church's one foundation. The church's one foundation is Jesus Christ, her Lord. She is his new creation by water and the word. From heaven, he came and sought her to be his holy bride. With his own blood, he bought her. And for her life, he died. Elect from every nation, yet one o'er all the earth, her charter of salvation, one Lord, one faith, one birth. One holy name she blesses, partakes one holy food, and to one hope she presses, 
with every grace endued. The church shall never perish, her dear Lord to defend, to guide, sustain, and cherish is with her to the end. Though there be those that hate her and strive to see her fail, against both foe and traitor, she ever shall prevail. Though with a scornful wonder the world sees her oppressed, by schisms rent asunder, by heresies distressed, yet saints their watch are keeping, their cry goes up, how long? And soon the night of weeping shall be the morn of song. Mid toil and tribulation and tumult of her war, she waits the consummation of peace forevermore. Till with the vision glorious, her longing eyes are blessed, and the great church victorious shall be the church at rest. What an amazing statement. Let me just read Acts chapter 20, verse 28, for all the leaders and all the people in the church. Paul talks and he says, therefore, take heed to yourself, the leaders, and to all the flock among which the Holy Spirit has made you overseers to shepherd the church, to shepherd the church. Now listen, the church of God, which he purchased with his own blood. We need to remember that the churches we attend, they're not owned by the pastor. They're not defined by the government. The church is owned by Jesus Christ. He has purchased us. The church is not brick and mortar. The church is you. The church is me. The church is us. We are the church. And around the world, doesn't matter what kind of building you meet in or what happens, but we have to remember that Jesus Christ has purchased us with his blood. We need to remember that today. With everything going on, the world's going crazy. We need to remember that God is not going crazy. He is strong. God is powerful. And we seek his face. We come back and say, Lord, forgive us. For we understand that we need to follow you. Help us to follow you, not a political party, not any kind of indication. But we're going to follow you in Jesus' name. Amen. Hey, thanks for joining us today. Are you on the list to get the Bible guide for next year? Well, if you're not on our mailing list, then we can't get it to you. Or if you're not on our email list, we can't get it to you. So make sure you write to us or call us or something. Get on the, go to the webpage and email us or whatever. Get on our list. A new guide is coming in January. 
Father, I believe what you did is true. Help me and my life to follow you in Jesus' name. And we all said together, amen.